So we got to London on uh, Friday night and he said, oh, well, we've moved into a flat for the time being. We're just renting before um, he buys a place. Well, before they buy a place. They've got a place out in Philly, but they're going to sell it to release capital to then buy a place over here. And he said, um, so it's quite small, just to warn you. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. So he said, he said, Georgia, you and Georgia and Sarah are going to have to sleep in like the living room. I'm like, yeah, dude, that's, that's totally fine. We know we'll sleep anyway. We don't, you know, we don't mind. So we get to his flat. You walk in through the door. On the right is the kitchen, stroke diner, stroke living room. <laughs> that's no. one room. In front of you is the bathroom, and to the left is the one bedroom. Now, this is in this is in Islington, by the way, right by the Angel uh, Tube. Bearing that in mind, young William, how much is his rent per month? For essentially for, a two room a two room flat for for a studio, is it? Yeah, for by all by all intent by all accounts, um, yeah, twelve hundred a month. It's fifteen hundred a month. No fucking way. That's so good. Hundred. That's unbelievable. And I get it. I'm a northerner, and you know I don't. I understand that the house prices in London are crazy, crazy expensive. But even I was just blown away at fifteen hundred a month for a two-room flat. <laughs> you uh, you get enough change from a tenor after paying your mortgage to get a couple of pints at Weatherspoon's, don't you? <laughs> well, that's after I've bought um, feed for my greyhounds and flat caps. My flat cap subscription for the month. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were a northerner, not a tough. Oh no, Northerners love a flat cap. See, that's the thing. See, we wear our flat caps for sort of practical reasons. It's like we're trying to hide from um, the uh, the uh, oh, what do they call them? You know the uh, the fox hunters, and we're trying to like <laughs> like mess up the scent. <laughs> that's why we wear them. They're just called fox hunters, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I couldn't remember what they were called though. Uh, but yeah, fifteen. Yeah, what do you call pounds. people who hunt foxes? What is the <laughs> common term? For such a person, don't it begin with C? <laughs> C T something like that. C U something. Anyway, uh, yeah, but that was just a massive eye opener for the like you know London prices. And he said, um, he said they're looking at two beds because they want to have a kid over here. Because when he lived in America, he said obviously you can't. It's, you know, it's just forget trying to have a kid in America because as soon as you go into hospital. Obviously, you owe thousands of pounds oh, for the pleasure yeah. of giving birth. Um, he said so the plan was always to, because he's English, it's fine, you know, just come back here. They're married, so they come back here, they can have a kid here, and then they can stay here for five or six years and then move back out if his job needs it. But they were looking at um, two bed flats and they were getting quotes of like 425, 450 grand. <laughs> Mate, it's a two-bed flat. just dis- like despicable, isn't it? Absolutely despicable. It's absolutely disgraceful. Dis- I said to him, I said, dude, for f- um, to be fair, his mum still lives, his mum lives about half an hour away from me. Um, and I said, you know, 450 grand where I live, you could get land with your property. Not like a garden, <laughs> I mean like an acre to like, you know, have horses and shit like that. You, you could have a wood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my own, I've got my own forest. Shit, I I put down like the provisional payment on our house this week, and that's going to be a three bed. Nice. I, I know, big moment. I mean, that is it's going to be a three Shit. bed house for less than two hundred grand. Yeah, like it's crazy, 
absolutely crazy. Well, we got a, we got a good deal on our house when we bought it. Was a wreck. It was kind of it wasn't a shell, but we had to. It wasn't like um, well, we had to redo the roof and everything. But everything inside had needed ripping out and starting again. Like the kitchen floor was completely warped and like just we had to rip out the whole kitchen floor down to sort of soil. That's how bad that was. Jesus. But, but we got out. We live in a. I live in a four bed detached house with a garage. In a quiet cul-de-sac, and it was one seventy. Mate, that <laughs> is looking... criminal. It's not insane. That's offensive. And don't get me wrong; like, it's a nice. And we live right near. We live right near the primary school and the high school. The location's good, and he's looking at two bed flats for four fifty. I blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. And it's probably I knew it was still expensive, but I think it was that bad. It's not even like you're getting some super swanky futuristic no. London flat. It's probably still just as much of a shithole as your average two-bed flat. Right? Yeah, it's just a two-bed flat. It's not like a super specialty. It's just it's just a two-bed flat. He's still going to be living above a chippy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how um, it compares to other part, like other major cities in the country. Because obviously, oh, it's got to be, be like like Birmingham city centre, Manchester city centre. Because I've never lived in a city centre. I've lived. I lived just outside Manchester. So I can imagine. Never... I can imagine Manchester city centre being, um, especially the, yeah, both like the trendy places. But even like yeah, even even like Canterbury, where I used to live, it's not a not an incredible, it's not a massive city by any stretch of the imagination. It's more like a uni town sort of thing. But yeah. still, you'd get a city centre flat for. A fraction of that cost. Fraction. Yeah. It was quite funny because he lives... I never understood like there was like a north of the river, south of the river divide type thing mm-hmm. in London. And he's obviously living at the moment north of the river. Yeah. And then we went to... Well, we were down there because Sarah's... Like, I don't know if I told you, but Sarah's mum is from Peckham. Oh. And Sarah's dad's from Bermondsey. Oh, fair. Which are both like yeah. pretty rough, like... <laughs> Explains a lot, really. Kind of places. Yeah. And so we went to see um, Sarah's gran, who still lives in Bermondsey. She's like, I don't know, half a mile away from Millwall's ground, which gives you an idea of the area she lives in. She, she's not that to... nan that is in that video where, where she's driving around <laughs> with three kids no. shouting racial slurs. No, no, no. But we said, um, we said, oh, yeah, he lives in he lives in Angel. You know, he lives near the Angel Tube Station. And she was like, yeah, is that north of the river? And we're like, oh, we're like, oh yeah, yeah. She goes, yeah, we don't talk to them over there. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> and then we said, well, he's not from here. He's from where I live. He's just lived here. She's like, oh, all right then, all right then. <laughs> I was like, fucking hell, okay. <laughs> well, I won't stab him then. Yeah, I won't attack your friend. But you can see the disparity. like the Because when we were... When we were visiting her, we walked from the tube to her flat, which is about 10 minutes. And it was just, I mean, pure Cockney, every accent we heard. Whereas when we were with him, we were hearing like lang- like different languages from all over the world. Because it's like the trendier, you know, he lives in the trendier part of London. So, well, and, and that part around, you know, near Arsenal is renowned for being sort of a bit of a, a melting pot. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Which is why you get such a such a large portion of um, 
sort of Central Asian fans that are asked, you know, at, at the Arsenal. Ah, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Because okay, for sense. for year, during the first sort of, um, <laughs> I don't want to say invasion because it's not the right <laughs> word. <laughs> mass mass emigration of um of like Pakistanis and and Indians to to London. Well, give me a sec. Well, give me a sec. I'm just rustling through my dictionary and uh, my thesaurus, looking for a better word than invasion. <laughs> Great. No, I like invasion. I'm gonna stick with invasion. During okay, stick with invasion. the Pakistani invasion of the of the sixties and seventies, that is um, <laughs> a lot of them. Um, um, a lot of people settled in that sort of area around sort of Arsenal and Islington and Angel and places like that, and, right, and that's okay. how you end up where you know you're watching your average average Arsenal game and they're scanning the crowd, and you're going to see a lot of Central Asian faces, which is good. It was funny as well when we were when we were going to when we were sort of. I say went to bed when we just lay down in his living room, which essentially was the bed. Also, that well, it was a kitchen slash diner slash living room slash bedroom, um, and he had he just had here's how here's how big that room was. Okay, he had two air beds, and the two air beds fit perfectly on the all all the available floor space. Right, it's so bad, isn't it? Isn't that? It's just it's just a disgrace. It's a disgrace, and he's being you know he's getting charged fifteen hundred quid a month anyway. That's and that's proper um like scummy student living, is that? Like even even nineteen year olds would look at that condition and think it's a bit it's a bit shabby. I know, but it's just space, isn't it? It's just space is such a premium, and then you know people are just desperate to live anywhere anywhere they can. And in London, like what's the alternative? You can't, you know. But and then that's why people are moving outside, isn't it? Like they live outside London now. And they can, yeah, you yeah you live in Kent, you live in sort of Surrey and Essex, and um... yeah. a, a girl. Gas said that a girl who works where he at his place. Um, she was looking at houses, yeah, in Surrey or somewhere like that, and she said the house prices there are expensive now because they know that people are commuting into London and they're desperate to now live there, so they're more expensive than they used to be. So now she's just looking at moving to Nottingham and getting the training every day, and it's like an extra fifteen minutes. This is absolutely. I might as well just live. I might as well just live there and do like an hour and a half commute every day. Oh my God, an hour and a half commute there and back, like three hours a day on the train. But then you then you have much more space and you save so much money on your on your um, accommodation. Like there's an ever expanding ring around London that's just getting bigger and bigger of places that are having their property like the op- hikes because they're commuter areas. It's like the opposite of Fortnite. <laughs> it's like the ring's just getting smaller and smaller in Fortnite, whereas in London it's just getting wider and wider. You just got to try and stay outside the ring as best you can, so you don't get just hiked on the fucking house prices. I'm glad you uh, explained that to me because I didn't have a clue what you were talking about. Okay, there we go. I was thinking it's it's not free to play. That's not how it works. (laughs) London free, yeah. London is not free to play. Jesus, and it's just crazy busy. I just I can't understand it. Like we came out of the we came out of Houston on Friday night, and it was like World War Z. (laughs) They were just fucking. People everywhere. Right, it's too much, isn't it? I can't. I don't think I can go back. Couldn't get a taxi. Couldn't get. Couldn't even get an Uber. It was like, like on the app. I'm like, yeah, there's nobody around. Like, fucking hell. Nope. So I ended up just getting on the tube because we planned to get a taxi, but like, sod this. We will just get on the tube and just and we just jammed in. That's yeah, easy enough, isn't it? God, just madness. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't do that life at all. Just too busy. Yeah, it was quite funny because Sarah's auntie came to um, Sarah's nan's while we were there so she could catch up and stuff. And we were talking 
And she said, oh, she said, oh, do you live in a house then? And we said, yeah, yeah, we live in a house. She was like, oh, I always thought you lived in a flat. Which to me sounded crazy. Because up here, where I live, there's, I don't think there are flats. I don't even know where there's flats here. I couldn't even tell you like where the closest block of flats. There's not even blocks of flats. Where they even just like, you know, like two-story ones. I couldn't tell you where they are. Because obviously it's like it's just cheaper to buy a house. Like it's not expensive. Whereas where she lives, practically like nobody lives in a house because they're this like a million quid each. Yeah, they're like, you know, like like two three million quid. That's the problem, mate. You're uh, you're living out in the burbs. share Dan we were talking about Fortnite and free to play and how London is very much not free to play we um (laughs) have a similar I I think it's going a similar opposite to uh to the free to play um ethos model of uh, your model model of 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 modern gaming uh whereby young Swedish forward is actually paying to not play in uh in many respects Apparently, William Nylander is spending as much as $3,000 a day, or rather giving up the opportunity to earn $3,000 a day by not signing an RFA contract. Dan, your comments, please. $3,000 a day, is that right? I think so, yeah. Well, something like that. I can't, somebody on Twitter made a really good point that, okay, you can be Willie Nylander, and you've can put I? up... <laughs> Why didn't you I'll, tell me? Shall, shall I rephrase that? You can... Um, I mean, to be fair, well, you can. You can pay somebody £3,000 a day to, to not play in the NHL. You can do that. <laughs> I, I feel like I've got a better deal at the moment by paying nobody <laughs> yeah. anything to not play in the NHL. To just, to just play roller every Sunday. <laughs> I will respectfully decline that um, yeah. that opportunity. All right, let's try again. So put yourself in willing need on this situation. You can... You can take the hit for the team and say, you know what? You're absolutely right. We need to keep us, like me, uh, Matthews, Mana, Tavares, keep us all together. Nice little group there, a core four. I'll just take four million a year for the next five years. I'll do that favour for you guys. And then as you turn up to work in your Prius, and then <laughs> in a couple of years after Mana and Matthews have signed their contracts, they're turning up in... I don't know, army-plated fucking Bugatti Veyrons, you start to think, oh, shit, why don't I do that? Why am I the fifth, why am I the fourth or fifth best player on this team when I could be the second best player on another team? I, I, I still, I still don't blame him, really. I still don't blame him for not signing. I'd... Your thoughts on that? <laughs> I don't know about not blaming him. Because it's it's hard to say because we don't know what he's being offered. Like again, if Dubas yeah, is I'm just still, saying I'm like, you know, I'll I give still you... believe if he'd been offered if he'd been offered what we what we know is the going rate, like Pastanak and wait, what is that? We mentioned is that a week. young prospect to first and a and a roster player? What what going rate? Are we <laughs> no, talking? no, the like the going rate for the contracts for wingers, <laughs> which is usually around six seven years, 
between six and seven million. Hmm. If he'd been offered that, I, I imagine he would have signed it immediately. I can't think for one second he believes that I'm so much better than no guys. I am worth eight, nine, ten million a year. Even if he knows in the end, Matthews is probably going to get twelve. Marner's going to get around ten. Yeah, but it's it's not you know. it's not about what he believes he's worth necessarily. Because I wholeheartedly believe he would have been offered a a Pasternak, a, a Shifley sort of size contract, and Nicky the size contract. That's all five, six years at between five and a half and six and a half mil. I think he's looking at sort of the relative outliers and, and maybe not even outliers to an extent, you know, like Max Patrick just got four years at seven million. Um Leo Dreisaitl was making north of eight million. You know, Jack Eichel is making ten million. Like there's you know, it's a bit different for Eichel, but William Nylander's not all that far off as far as stats are concerned. So there are enough contracts out there that I think is going to give him pause enough to say, right, well, I've definitely earned my reasonable market value contracts, but this geezer over here is earning X amount. And, you know, like especially Drysdale, especially Drysdale, like he earned that money riding shotgun on Conor McDavid's wing. William Nylander can happily even, you know, to an extent diminish his... uh, the view of him by saying he's riding shotgun on Matthews's wing, that still gives him enough sort of leverage to say, well, I'm worth as much as he on Drysdale, or at least close to what Drysdale was doing. I wonder if his agent has already hit up some other teams. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he must have done. Clearly, awfully under the table in the um, the sneaky, sneaky way, and just said to them, look, if this doesn't pan out, would you be looking at making an offer? And I'll tell you who I'm thinking of, and I'll tell you what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Columbus. Columbus. Also the whole Panarin, the whole Panarin situation. And if he doesn't sign, if if Nylander's at that point, they're thinking, hang on a minute, we could have a guy. I'm not saying he's as good because I think Panarin's slightly better. But, Just a touch. But the the chances there for Nylander to progress. And to be, and he can absolutely be as good as Panarin. Absolutely. So I believe that completely. So you say Nylander for Panarin one for one? Well, no, no. If no, I'm thinking if if Columbus has the feeling that because it looks like as we know, Panarin's like, I love the team, I love the players, I love the management. I've been treated so good, but this city stinks. It stinks. I'm going. I hate it. I'm sorry. And he's leaving. I believe he's already leaving. He's already done. He's made up his mind. He's going to play his games. Try, he's not going to try to burn any bridges and then he's going to go to a bigger market team. I don't know, like clearly somewhere, probably the Rangers probably. But if you're taught and, you know, the front office over there and, uh, you know, like Kekalain is probably thinking, well, hang on, I've got to monitor this situation here. Maybe I give his agent a ring and say, Do you know what? We had sort of nine, ten million set aside for Panarin. Maybe Nylander wants it. Maybe we'll talk to his agent and see what he says. And then Neiland is getting, okay, well, I've got now a 10 million offer from Columbus. Maybe I just want a bit more from the Maple Leafs. Maybe I now think, well, hang on a minute, if they're offering me six, and I can get 10 in Columbus, I'll stay in Toronto, but maybe I'd like eight now, or seven and a half. Something, I don't know. That, I've not, that's completely, completely something that's just popped into my head. But yeah, stupid as it sounds... I do all the time on, on NHL 18 or NHL 19. You look at the pending free agents and you think, oh, well, if this guy leaves, I'll have this much money left. That means I could probably sign him if he doesn't sign a deal. 
Now, obviously, on the game, it's different. This is real life. In real life, you can make up his agent and have a little chat, can't you? You can have a, have a conversation about it like human beings. Exactly. And I'm just wondering, or maybe if, you know, maybe if Pinero doesn't want to go to the Rangers, maybe the Rangers are ringing uh, Neil Anders' agent and saying, look, if it doesn't work out over there, maybe you can come and talk to us and we'll give you a nice little a nice little payday. Something that needs to um, be considered with this whole situation, yeah. Dan, is that five weeks on Saturday, William Nylander, if he doesn't have a contract five weeks on Saturday, he can't play for any NHL team this year. That's true. What are the chances that we get to that stage where William Nylander just hasn't signed a contract with anyone, specifically Toronto? Do you, do you think that Toronto trade him before that deadline if he hasn't signed? Or do you think there's a chance that they would keep hold, be stubborn enough to keep hold of him and say, right, we'll just sit out an, a year of Nylander? No, I think I think you trade him at that point. I think I think you you I think maybe you even say to him, "This is our final offer. This is the best we can do." I'm sorry. You if know, you if you don't have this done by by you know November twenty fifth, yeah, then yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, you're getting traded. You're getting traded to Ottawa. <laughs> I mean, that's the power move from Dubas, isn't it? So like, really, like I said last week, slide the piece of paper across the table. How'd you fancy playing in Ottawa? Give me the contract. Fine. <laughs> I'll sign it. Five pounds for eight years, please. <laughs> yeah. But then, to an extent, like, if you are getting to that close stage, yeah, even with, you know, in some regard, if we get into November and he hasn't signed and you look at trading him, you're going to have seriously diminishing returns just oh, because, yeah, you know, the other, G- the other GMs, for the most part, aren't stupid. They'll know that, right, you know, you've only got a month to Actually, trade hang him. on, hang on, hang on. What percentage of GMs are you saying are not stupid? Ah, shit. Like, there's 31. It's like, how many are we talking here that you think are not stupid? So when I say for the most part, I'm thinking like a pie chart. So it may not be... the part? <laughs> no, I did, I did mean for the most part, just it's not going to be... Okay. Not that the majority of GMs are not stupid. It's just that the largest piece of the pie... Or GMs that aren't stupid. Okay, okay, fair enough. But only because there are so many different categories for GMs, including, you know, obviously not stupid, stupid, yet to tell, you know, mixtures of that. Ill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so yeah, I think once he gets to November, like, you know, say Carolina's a club that's been banded about a lot in, in trade talks, yeah. you know, try and squeeze like a a Brett Pesci out of there or someone like that for, for Nylander. Um If I'm Don Waddell, there you go, I was trying to remember who's running that shit show down there. Uh, if I'm Don... <laughs> All of the clubs are Whoa, shit. Let's have a bit of respect, please, for the funnest team in the league, shall we? This is, on the eyes, not a shit show. Like, anyone who's wearing a suit, definitely a bit of a shit show. Fair enough. Um, yeah, if I'm Don Waddell, who would get... <laughs> Probably a bad example because I probably would put him as one of the GMs in the league who is not not <laughs> stupid. Okay, I'd I'd turn around and say, look, mate, no, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna give you a, I'm gonna give you, I don't know, Trevor Van Riemsdyk as a second round pick because you have to get rid of him. Yeah, but here's the, the thing. 
on the flip side, if I'm if I'm Carl Dubas, I sooner let Nylander sit a year out and and then try again next year. Because it's the sort of thing that I think it went if and when Toronto trade Nylander, they're not gonna you know they're gonna get Adam Larson. They're not they're not gonna get like they're not gonna get Colton Pareko, they're not gonna get Jacob Truber most likely, they're gonna get someone I don't know, like Damon Severson or um I don't know, Justin Falk or something like that, you know, perfectly good players, but not quite you know, not as good as William Nylander is is long and short of it. Like Nylander then, is gonna be the best player in whatever trade they make. You're right. It's hard it it, it is tough for um Dubas over there because if you can see it going on where whatever happens, whatever happens, if they don't win the cup, it's going to be the talk of if they didn't trade him, well, they should have traded him. Then if they trade him, it's going to be, well, they shouldn't have traded him, should they? So they can't, you can't win either way. Um, if he ends up not signing, obviously, and you know, if that's the route they decide to go, but no, but uh, yeah, I'm almost loath to say, and you know, I hope this isn't, uh, a shock to anyone out there listening, but GMs don't make decisions based on what people think they should or shouldn't do, or at least most oh, no, of them don't. No, yeah, I would hope none of them. I would hope none of them do. I would hope they're all um, su- uh, sufficiently egotistical enough. You have to be, don't you, to just believe what you're doing is the right thing. The, have to be. the only one who is influenced by fans, I believe, is the Teflon Don Picciarelli and. Uh, he just so happens to choose the very ill-informed fans to listen to. <laughs> he saw he saw the one tweet that said Taylor Hall was the problem. So all right, well, I better get rid of him then. <laughs> it was like a light bulb moment. He was just going through his phone. Taylor Hall. Oh, of course he is. Yeah, of course he's the problem. Christ. Beep boop beep boop. And then, and then he yeah. saw a um. Kept with the devil's GM now. So I saw a Sportsnet article from like 2012 saying is Griffin Reinhardt the next, I don't know, Chris Pronger. It's like, oh, yeah, he probably is. I better trade for him. (laughs) Ah, dear. Dear, dear, dear. Somebody who uh, could be the next Chris Pronger, Will. Oh. Hey, hey. Nate Schmidt has signed signed a contract. King L. That he has. What are the details of that contract, young Daniel? It is a lot of money, isn't that would it? Be, that is a lot of money. That would be six years, Will. Uh, uh, was AAV work out 5.95? 5.95, I do believe. So um, yeah. let's uh, let's say roughly 36 million over six years for, for young Schmidt. Which isn't too bad. I don't know many... Um, pitiful drug addicts who are being paid that much money <laughs> to uh, carry on in their despicable ways. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> you know the problem is, don't you, is that his agent is also his dealer. That's the problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> as soon as he signed that contract, he was like, yes, I've got him on the hook now for another six years. Looking beautiful. Right, I, I mean, I'm, but, I'm fine with taking on. the drugs, but can you just sort of make it so I don't really know that I'm taking the drugs? Like, maybe if you just, like, yeah. shove it in a steak or something. Yeah, if you just, like, fill a steak with steroids 
and then I eat that steak. All I've done is eat the steak. So, uh, yeah. I was imagining them trying to get him to take it like you could try and get a dog take it. Like you pulled his mouth shut and like tip his head back and then pinch his nose so he can't breathe. <laughs> trying, to, oh. trying to put it right in the back. Come on, mate. Chew. Yeah. Chew. Come on. Chew. Come on. Uh. Well, he just like, oh, yeah, like you mix it into his pudding or like mix it into his chocolate cake. <laughs> she doesn't even know. <laughs> so you, you okay. sent me an interesting um, piece of information, Will, about this contract. <laughs> very... very... Eye-opening information. Very eye-opening. Which is which is me... wonderful. It's it's the best bit of information relating to a contract that I've had in quite some time. I, I, you know what? I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. I was, I I use this word lightly, well, stunned by the uh, the comparable contracts with uh, with Mister Schmidt. So it was. I'll read off. Go on. I, I was just going to say for the readers, it was the um, for the readers, the listeners, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, no, let's say readers. There might be um, might be some deaf people who have the have the podcast transcribed and then read it. Yeah, you never if know. You're, if you're reading this, if you're reading this podcast in Braille, hello, shout out to you. Or, <laughs> or, or if you're no, reading it in Braille, <laughs> finger out to you. What would it be? <laughs> Why would you be reading it in Braille? <laughs> it's already it's already a <laughs> it's already a media that's friendly to those with visual impairments. You know you know what I need to do. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Oh, um, <laughs> I wanna clarify as well, that was on purpose. Like Oh, was... oh yeah, yeah. I believe <laughs> Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I d- on on the subject of things being serious, I um I made a similar theme joke the other day. We were um, what were we having? Well, we were having a bit of um, carbonara, a bit of carbonara with some nice little oh, nice chunks yeah. of chunks of pancetta. So like, oh, you know, delicious, delicious. And uh, I made what I thought was a very stupid joke. By calling pancetta panna cotta, you see, okay. it's it's funny because panna cotta is is a dessert and pancetta is yes. is like a smoked ham, and it's Did a not. funny sort yeah. of deliberate mistake that would maybe get a small chuckle and then we'd all carry on with our lives. But um, my dear beloved fiance refused to believe that it was a joke, and thought that oh, I genuinely boy. thought pancetta was called panna cotta. Oh. So the amount of um, protesting I had to make after the fact to say, look, it was a joke, and uh, the amount of mm, okay sweeties that I got, I've been um, crushing, Dan, quite crushing. So, um, dude, I'm standing with it's you. It's one of the worst. It's one of the worst things when you make a deliberate mistake. People don't believe you because now you cannot win whatever happens. I'm, I'm just the idiot who doesn't know what panacotta is. Yeah, if you beg and plead, it was an. I'm trying to tell a joke. They just think you're begging and pleading until it looks stupid. So you can't win. Oh, that's the worst. That's the worst. Getting the old head rub. Yeah, of course you did, love. Well done. All right, yeah. It's it's called pancetta. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, so it's, uh, as as I'm sure many of you are aware, Cat Friendly likes to uh, tweet out comparable contracts, or at least they have. Even if they don't tweet them out, they have the comparable contract uh, tool on their website. And they spat one out for young Nate Schmidt when he signed his contract. And 
As young Danny is about to tell you, some very interesting names on that list. Uh, from uh, the Montreal Canadiens, Mr. Jeff Petrie. Good, good from player. The Philadelphia good players. player. Yeah. Andrew McDonald. Not Mark not Stahl. Quite on the as New good Rangers. Player. Oh. No, yeah, Jonathan Erickson from the Detroit Red Wings. Oh. And oh. of the Edmonton Oilers, Andre Sequeira. Are all being paid the same as Nate Schmidt? I mean, the start and the end of that list, are like Jeff, Jeff Petri, great player, really good player. I think he's uh, he's been a bit unfortunate to have been sprung from the number three defenseman to the number one defenseman position in Montreal for the yeah. last couple of seasons. <laughs> that is unfortunate, um, but a good player, very very solid. Yeah, you know, I'd I'd take him on my top four eight days a week. Solid player. Andre Sequeira, when when he was healthy, perfectly good player. Another another victim of circumstance rather than his own skills, I'd say. Good, thoroughly good top four defenseman. Probably not your number one, but so it goes. Um, and yeah, the other three. I mean, Mark Stall was all right before um before he had his head caved in repeatedly. Good point. But no, he's not. Um. Jonathan some of those players mentioned are on some of those contracts that make me angry about sports what sports people get paid and I've said to you before if you're the absolute best you should get all the monies I don't mind Conor McDavid getting 12 you know fine pay, pay him all the money give Tiger all the money Federer Nadal like Ronaldo Messi Michael Jordan yep you guys are actually bigger than the game you can transcend sports and become bigger than that, the sport you're famous for. But, you know, like Shola Amiobi has got 12 years of premiership <laughs> wages. I won't okay. stand for this Shola Amiobi yeah. abuse. No, sorry. Andrew McDonald's getting six million in quid a year, six million dollars a year to be, you know, a serviceable hockey player. Is he still playing in the AHL? Oh, Christ, he might be. Fucking shout out to Matt Bolesky as well. Also making decent fucking money for now being assigned to the AHL after clearing waivers. As many of you, if any of you long-time listeners, and I can't think for one second there's any of those, would know that Matt Bolesky was a figure of my hatred for quite a while <laughs> while he was with the Bruins for making something like something like nearly $4 million a year to now, not do anything. Now, would you say that you hate Matt Bolesky more now that he's still making that money and playing in the AHL? Uh, no, because now it's not eating into my team's cap. <laughs> now you're not a part of my team's problem. I'm still not happy about it. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as bad as it was. Do you, do you not feel for those poor, starving AHL players who are having to live off of like two hundred grand a year? Um, while Matt Bolesky is, is flaunting it I feel like Matt Bolesky is like a dickhead as well he's probably not <laughs> but I just get the I just get the feeling that like he rocks around with like a chain he's um, you know the kind of you know kind of uh, bloke to use the word pussy a lot um, oh yeah one of those wears those like mirror um, sunglasses that are like sort of triangular shaped and like wrap around your head 
Oh, uh, yeah. I know. He pre- he's probably a really, really nice guy. <laughs> I'm sure he's a nice guy. But, but I just get the feeling <laughs> that that's that's what his contract is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um like that um what's that advert with Marcus Brigstock? Oh, the uh like fucking that- credit score thing. Yeah, that one? yeah, like that, a credit card one. And so you've got the two Matt Bileskis, a regular Matt Bileski, and then Matt Bileski's contract personified. <laughs> <laughs> Which he's like, it's like Tyler Durden. There's like another version of him. Yeah, but, but instead of Brad Pitt, it's just played by Sean Avery. <laughs> <laughs> just flaunting his AHL wealth. <laughs> Sean Avery just sat in a chair looking at Matt Bolesky like, I think like you want to think, I fuck like you want to fuck, and I talk like you want to talk. I'm you, but in every good way, or, some, or whatever he says. Oh my. Well, if it ends up in Matt Bolesky in New York trying to blow up all the credit card buildings while they were onto something. <laughs> it was Sean Avery. <laughs> 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 Matt Bolesky's like on the phone because obviously it was Chiarelli that gave him the contract he's on the phone to Peter Chiarelli what's the first rule of Project Mayhem Peter? we do not talk about Project Mayhem <laughs> his name was Peter Chiarelli his name was Peter Chiarelli they're, they're, they're showing evidence in the in the courtroom <laughs> and it's it's a video of um, Avery when he's like abusing the homeless people and um, it's like oh we actually have the uh, the front facing camera footage from that from that video and it's just Matt Bolesky. Matt Bolesky doesn't even know his own name, does he? He's like, What's my name? Say my name. You're Matt Bolesky. What? <laughs> oh my god. No. That's not true. <sighs> yeah. Oh dear me. But <laughs> so, <laughs> to get back to hockey matters. So this is been... I was gonna say I, I was just going to oh. say back to the um, to, to the contract topic comparisons. The to- topic yeah. at hand. This has been the most perfect, like aligning of the stars as far as contract given to a, to a player and then comparable contracts, because I give it all of two and a half seasons for Nate Schmidt to turn back into the pumpkin that he is, and um, and yeah, potentially end up as best case Andre Sequeira. <laughs> Worst case, Jonathan Erickson, or even Matt Bolesky, some would say. The thing was, though, was always Vegas, is that we mentioned this, I think, at the start of the season. Is the, At the start of the season, they only had something like two defensemen signed, didn't they? So they had to get they had to get some players signed up, because you can't, you know, you want to try and get, you want to try and get a top six sort of locked down. Like, okay, these are our six guys, let's work with what we've got here now. And if something happens along the way, that's right. And clearly it's going to be, you know, contracts coming up at the end of the year. And, you know, that happens sometimes. But I think they just got into a situation where they were thinking, hang on a minute, we haven't actually got, like, our top six locked down properly for at least a couple of years where we can do something. Um, so I think that's probably that was probably part of the uh, part of the situation as well, wasn't it? They just wanted to get it sorted out. That's still, yeah, I mean, there's getting it sorted out and then there's paying a career third-pairing defenceman close to $6 million over six years um, for... Uh... I'll just throw a stat at you. 270, 276 career games. Really? goals, 66 assists. Yeah. See, perfectly fine numbers, like... 
absolutely yeah. fine. But I mean, yeah, that's another. That's a contract that you're giving off of lightning in a bottle. Like, let's let's not forget that every single player on the Vegas Golden Knights roster, or for last season at the very least, was a player that thirty other teams didn't want on their team. That's true. Or or deemed expendable compared to other players. Expendable, yeah. And now you're expendable. Now you're giving them out. Fucking six, six years, six million dollar contracts, and I, I, I like, I like Nate Schmidt, and obviously, make your fucking money, man. Like that's highway oh, robbery. God, yeah. Good, good on him. Good on yeah, him first. Good for you for getting that. But that's yeah, if you I can mean, get in and get twenty games off every year as well. Just <laughs> <laughs> have a have a cheeky little wagyu beef laced with a. Whatever you want, <laughs> change it up every year. Is there's a mistake? I just... Where's this Wagyu beef from? It's from a Bergevin Farms. <laughs> so give that a shot. <laughs> After every <Yeah>. buys out. <laughs> Bergevin the bull. Oh Christ! <laughs> oh dear. I just don't. I don't, I don't understand, Dan. The rush that George McPhee is in to turn this Cinderella run expansion team into a, a heavily anchored boat a la the uh, Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Because it is funny that the, the Jonathan Erickson contract comes up because a lot of what they're giving out is very Ken Holland-esque. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, man, Cinderella runs can do funny things, can't they? We've seen it plenty of times. We've seen it plenty of times. They, they can, they can. And, you know, we've always said, like, you know, you're paying, you end up paying for players, paying players for what they've done for you rather than what they're going to do. Yeah, what they can do in the future. But the problem that Vegas have come across is a, a roster full of players that need contracts all at the same time. The thing was, though, as well, didn't we, I think we thought, didn't we, that. They're going to be so bad. They're going to get to the trade deadline. They're going to trade loads of good players away, get trash back, get loads of picks, and then go from there. And then the problem was they were really, really good. And it just changed everything. It ru- it almost ruined everything. Instead of looking at it as a Cinderella run, maybe in 10 years when they've not been to the playoffs since, we're going to be saying, God, did that, first, did that playoff run in their first season really fuck them over? Because they ended up just giving all these contracts out because then they had no... Kind of nothing, no room to play with. No, they didn't have all these picks, all these prospects coming through they were hoping for. And in the end, that like you say, they they they've paid all these players, and I mean, even getting Patrick and Stastny. I mean, that I can't imagine that was on their minds at the end of you know at the start of the first season. Like, okay, well, we'll get to the playoffs, and then we'll lose a couple of players, but we'll replace them with maybe better, better players, and we'll go from there. I can't imagine them feel that for what well, they didn't think that for one second, did they? No, they um. They took the. They've eaten the poison apple. Is what's happened. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, they've already gotten rid of a number of first round picks. I don't know how I track what picks they had and got rid of, but they, you know, like for the Thomas Tatar deal and, and other trades that they've made, as well as getting rid of players like Nick Suzuki in the Pacioretty trade, like. Yeah. They have. I think they've cut off their nose to spite their face to an extent. I know. Strange. Uh, just one last thing as well. 
Um, he did lead them in ice time last season. Yeah. He has got... <clears throat> there is... And when, again, we're not saying he's terrible, but... Again, again may, I, may I refer back to, to Messrs. Petri and, and Sequeira? You know, your ice time doesn't reflect what you're worth, necessarily. Needs must no. and all that. Indeed. Something, two topics uh, I want to talk about. I, I enjoyed the, uh, we had a chat last week about um, McDavid versus Matthews. Um, for those of you on the hilarious side of looking at comparisons, um, this week we had Matthews versus Line. Uh Will, if you had to take one, who are you taking and why? Uh, I would actually take Pierre-Luc Dubois first overall in the 2016 draft. <laughs> Personally, I'm actually uh, I'm actually a hipster. I would uh, I think if it's in back to my team, my plans. Uh, I don't know if you have heard of a little player called Jesse Pujarvi. Um, <laughs> I think he's gonna have a breakout year in 2022. So that'd be my pick. Uh, no, you've like you've got to take fucking Austin Matthews. You have to. He's he's yeah. got to play ten goals in ten games. And Patrick Laine, pure shooter, the finish of Etchkin, doesn't have a single even strength goal so far this season. A little tidbit for you out there, viewers, listeners, readers. You braille Fucking readers. You, abs- <laughs> you filthy braille readers. Um, <laughs> I thought there was anything wrong with braille. No, there's anything wrong with that. Not at all. Hey, some of my best friends read braille, so, you know, that's the classic line, isn't it? Whenever you say something, a lot of people are whenever telling you, me that I should be reading brain. Whenever somebody, yeah, whenever somebody wants to preface something absolute shitty, they go, "Look, I'm not a racist," but you're like, "Oh, here we go, you fucking racist!" <laughs> Damn it! Like, you know, my best mate is visually impaired and reads braille, but yeah, what's with all the bumps? I just don't get it, mate. <laughs> I just don't fucking get it, mate. Why, why did you turn to Sarah's nan, man? Because <laughs> <laughs> I assume she's very anti-blind. She's like, like, what's with all these fucking bumps? A bunch of fucking nampties running around with their fucking bump books. Jesus. <laughs> bump no for the No for the fucking water. <laughs> Coming over here, crossing over Tower Bridge with them little white sticks. <laughs> it's not fucking right, I tell you. <laughs> I've got to get Sarah to listen to this. It's making out her nan to be some kind of blind hater. I like the idea Same. of Sarah's nan being Danny Dyer in one of those like old lady headscarves. <laughs> oh dear <clears throat> well you, I see you want to you throw stats at me well here's a stat for you God, don't be throwing uh, anything at me Dan here we go here we go since he's come to the league Austin Matthews is at 0.95 points per game and Patrick Lyon is at 0.84 points per game and neither of those clips are Hall of Fame were they <laughs> yeah. just so just and so also, you know also they're since they uh, in since 2016, they are second. Matthews is second. Line is third in goals in that time. Out of all players, out of all players, Jesus Christ! With only uh, a certain Mister Drunk Russian Stanley Cup champion, Mister Ovechkin, in front of them. Se- second and third. Yeah, so Matthews is second. Line is third, and, and then first. what? Tyler Sagan's fourth. I didn't, go that, I didn't go that far down. This is Matthews versus Line A versus Sagan, Will. It's well, it sh- Matthews it should versus be. Line a, so. he should be. It should be included in every... Uh, I wanted him to come up as a comparable contract to Nate Schmidt. I don't think he gets enough uh, <laughs> respect. They, yeah, that's... Um, like, like, 
Bailey's a really good player. I was I was listening to Hockey Central at noon. Old uh, Marek Kiprios and uh, Colby Armstrong have a little chatty wat. And um, they were saying that he's he's still like averaging like fifteen minutes a night this year. And I just don't like that top line of of Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but like surely, surely, well yeah, he's he's producing it as it is. You know, he's he's had back to back forty goal seasons, hasn't he? Something like that. I think so. Let's have, what, whatever, whatever, whatever the numbers are, he scored a fucking lot of goals. You just told me he scored yeah. the third most goals in the in the time he's been in the NHL. A shit ton of goals. A shit, a shit ton of goals. Some would say, "Why aren't he playing anymore?" I, I get the the whole idea of you know if Abe broke, don't fix it, and Winnipeg stacked it forward, but mate, like play Patrick Line more. Fuck, fuck Andrew Cop, and and you know whoever the fuck else you got on your third and fourth line. Fuck Matthew Perot. Chuck fucking Line Line Eagles out there more. What have have Line playing second, third, and fourth line minutes? <laughs> Well, no, not not even that. Like you know, your your first line can happily play eighteen, nineteen minutes a night. Why don't you just have two lines playing eighteen, nineteen minutes a night, and then sort the rest out? It's true. It's not like Winnipeg haven't got depth on the top two lines, is it? It's not like they It's not like they've got one eight, and then like like you said, the Dallas Stars have got like two lines, uh, three lines of three. Like you think the like the Jets have definitely got one A, one B. Yeah, absolutely, and then you know they've got their their bottom six is perfectly capable to clean up the rest sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, like they've been saying about having Carlson in um in San Jose. Yeah, you, know, you can play Carlson and Burns for twenty five minutes a piece a night, and then you've just got ten minutes to split between the rest of them. Like, do that. So why is that ethos not adopted with the forwards? Yeah, he's he's um, scoring at what, Mac- whatever is. So I just, I'm repeating myself, but still, like he's scoring at whatever. You know, goals per 60 it is why don't you increase the amount of goals he's going to put on the ball by increasing his minutes it's fucking simple so you had 36 goals in 73 games yep. uh, season before and then last season 44 goals in 82 games like I specifically said an average of 40 goals per season there you go <laughs> <laughs> and like I said yeah he scored a shit ton of goals exactly exactly I was going to mention uh, this kind of this kind of dovetails into um, something else I was going to talk about in a minute, which I which I mentioned God way back when when we did one of the first shows, was that the way they the NHL needs to market their stars better and their stars having a rivalry better, and none of this. Um, oh yeah, he's a good player, and I think he does this well, and you know, oh yeah, he's a he's really clever, and I really respect him, and blah blah blah. Just have like, just have Lion A build as the finished sniper, and then have Matthews build as like I don't know something like the playmaker from the desert or something crazy. Just some, like a like a weird nickname to give these guys, and just because you know drafted one and two overall, both amazingly good players. They, they clearly have all the talent in the world. They score all the goals. They make plenty of assists. Just, just have them like, because they were doing it. Obviously, before we get into the next topic, they were doing it with with uh, McDavid and Crosby. It was like the test of who's the best in the world, and I wanted to see, I wanted to see like three and a half, four minute promo videos 
almost wrestling style where it's the voice you know the guy from the voiceover from the movies Sidney Crosby the king maybe now he's got a pretender and it's like but it's like McDavid doing fucking 50 million things that are awesome can he hold on to his crown let's find out next and you're like shit let's go like, probably, do that probably with David in like Homer Simpson makeup saying I'm coming for you Sidney Crosby <laughs> Yeah. On October 24th in the PPBJ Paints <laughs> Arena. Yeah. Clearly not exactly that. But you know what I mean? Something like that. And instead we just kind of get them, oh yeah, he's a great, uh, oh yeah, you know, he's a great player and he's definitely the fastest player and his speed's really terrifying and uh, oh, he's just a great player to play against, you know? And then Connor's just, oh, you know, he's won three Stanley Cups and he's the guy I look up to and blah, blah, blah. And I just want somebody to say to them, come on, guys, you can be friends, but just pep it up a bit. You know, Roy, like I said, way back, Roy Keane versus Vieira. Those two guys fucking did not like each other. I was going to say, they were not friends in the slightest. Yeah, that's what you want. That's what you want. That's why it needs to be... And I get that's why the NHL tried to do all this fucking rivalry bullshit and... But teams aren't rivals unless there's history there. It just doesn't happen. You get rivalries now in football when teams get to a stage and you're battling each other all the time. So, for example, I mean, hopefully, like we saw uh, Winnipeg Toronto last night, and it was actually on um, NBC, wasn't it? Mm. Or it was NBC Plus or something like NBC, I think. And it was the first time, was it the first time that ever they had like two Canadian teams on NBC in primetime or something? I think so, yeah. It wasn't there. Right, well, ideally now, you want Winnipeg and Toronto to be sort of sort of two of the best teams in the next, you know, for like the next five, six years or something. And then that then becomes a proper real rivalry. You're going to get fights, players hating each other and all that kind of thing. And I think that's, that's just another way to grow the game. And fair enough. All right. The players aren't always going to disagree or hate each other or whatever, but at least try and build it up more, you know, give Matthews a name, give Lion a a name, say that's the battle. I don't know. This is the thing with with Ryan and Matthews specifically, where they have such personality and they've already been, yeah, absolutely willing to showcase that personality. You know, line A through his you know disparaging comments of of other players and you know, absolute I don't give a fuck attitude, and and Matthews in like you know his his back and forth with Patrick Kane, even down to his off ice exploits recently. As as much as I sort of loathe the relatively fabricated rivalries that you get through the draft, because you know Matthews and, and Lina going one and two doesn't make them rivals. It's just you know just a, a part of life, isn't it? You know, I mean, you're not comparing pick eighty eight to pick eighty nine, are you? Sort of thing. I know it's a different no, no, situation, yeah. but the fact that they have those personalities and they would be willing, I believe, to actually act upon that sort of rivalry and and perpetuate it like meaningfully I think that's something that the NHL really have to grab onto and, and promote as much as they possibly can yeah for sure and they should just they should just they should just rig the fixtures so that they play each other a bit more they should just do it why not <laughs> we're, we're going to have another another bout of realignment just to get into all over the in the same <laughs> division so if we, what we've done is if, if we look at the uh, United States and Canada on a diagonal axis you can see that Winnipeg and Toronto almost kind of intersect. So that's it now. They're together. Okay, fair enough. What we've done is we've created 
60 with with Seattle coming into the league we've created 16 divisions of two teams apiece <laughs> and um to ease the, the scheduling the issue <laughs> we're going to have 41 games played against against a divisional rival each year it's a division rivalry for the 27th time this season out of 27 games. It's Toronto, Winnipeg, next. For the fifth time this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then, uh, McDavid Crosby, did you see that filthy, filthy Crosby OT goal? Crosby from the corner, twisting and turning inside out. Beautiful move, trying to get the shot up. He holds, he shoots, he scores! I just like God. He's uh, the deeks and the shimmies are one thing, but he just goes so far. Like he's in another rink basically by the time he lets that backhand off, and just mate, it's ridiculous. Like obviously, Cam Talbot has no chance of saving that, but at the same time, it's like, how do you not save that? He's he's in such a hard angle. Like it's so, I don't know. It's beyond the pale. It's been an absolutely ridiculous goal. I laughed my head off when I saw it. That's that in my in like when if you're sat with me and I laugh at something, if it's not something that's obviously funny, that's why because it's so ridiculous. I don't know. I don't have another reaction. I just burst into laughter watching it, and yeah. then I watched it back sort of fifteen times and laughed every time. <laughs> just he's a fucking idiot. It's just so ridiculous. It's so stupid. It's just what he did. Such a slow series of moves as well. He's just in complete control. It's not one of those ones where you have to keep rewinding it and be like, wait, what did he do? Like, first playthrough, you see exactly what Crosby does and there's nothing yeah. that anyone yeah. can do to stop him. No. And you know what? If Cam Talbot had saved it, I would have booed the shit out of him. <laughs> like, how dare you save that puck? <laughs> you motherfucker. I wanted, that, I wanted that to go in. How dare you? <laughs> and to do it in OT as well. Like, I think... Oh, it was d- amazing. D- as much as it was a, an incredible, you know, borderline unstoppable goal, like Darnell Nurse can't be very happy with with his performance there. If I if I'm Todd McLellan, no. I'm uh, I'm bringing that up. Yeah, because that is just in. yeah, that's just a poor effort on his part, really, isn't it? And I don't want to name any names, <coughs> Darnell, <coughs> but um, <laughs> as you can see here, <laughs> I know, but he's like like as oh. as Crosby comes out of the corner. He's curling away as if like, oh yeah, well Ryan Strome's got this. He's not even looking at Crosby. Yeah, as like I don't know if you're over, I don't know if you're over this Darnell, but that's Sidney Crosby there. Just be careful because he might stick it through his legs, deke seventeen times, and then backhand it into the roof. Like, he's, just, just so you know, he's quite a good player. I know he's relatively yeah. new on the scene, but he's pretty good, especially with the puck on his stick. Like it's just all like. I'd, I'll rag on Ryan Strome as much as the next guy, if not more than the next guy. But I feel a bit bad for him there because, fair enough, he gets beaten by the best player in the world, and then his D-man's like out to lunch. Yeah. So there are later, some mate. players. There are some players. If they've got their back to the play, you can just start skating on the ice because they ain't doing shit. I mean, to be fair, ninety-eight percent of them probably in the league, but not Crosby. Crosby could be lying down with his arms stretched out in front of him like he's Superman. Just stay on him. Whatever you do, just stay on him. Because he'll do something wacky and amazing. He's being carried off on a stretcher. <laughs> Next time they play, Darnell Nurse is like, coach said, stay on him. 
stay on him. <laughs> I was really nice. Star, big... Darnell Nurse ro- Road was sitting across me in, in the ambulance all the way to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Man marking him, like in 40. Not, not that I'm oh, wishing yeah, uh, any injury about no. Mr. Crosby. No, of course not. Only for comedic reasons. I just, it was amazing though, in that you always hear that sort of big player step up in the big games and they don't do anything for sort of 20 games then. But when it comes down to the crunch, like you get into the playoffs and you think, oh, he's had a bit of a quiet season. Bam, that's it. They just, don't forget I'm here. Like, you know, I'm, I'm still really good at this. And I was looking at this all week because I was kind of excited about the hype and the, the, the discussion did sort of intrigue me of, you know, who's, who's going to be better? Who's going to come out of this game better? We've already seen that McDavid started off this season just absolutely ridiculously and then almost as a kind of oi don't you fucking forget who I am Crosby just does that you're like oh shit yeah of course he's still fucking amazing he's still amazing and I just loved it I loved it what was that um, did you see the Steve Dangle tweet about uh, about Crosby I didn't know it was something it was words to the effect of um Whenever someone starts mentioning um, Sidney Crosby passing the torch or someone becoming the best player in the world that isn't named Sidney Crosby, he'll go out and burn the corpse of his of his opponent sacrificially yeah. to uh, to reassert his dominance, and that's exactly what he did. And the corpse that he burned was the corpse of Conor McDavid. So R.I.P. the future Mrs. McDavid. Um, sorry for your loss. Yeah, but it was it was worth it. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to. Uh, you have to break eggs to make a waffle, to make uh, pancakes, don't you? And, and and that was it. And Sid wanted another few pancakes on his already incredibly large stack. Yeah, he did. He's just ridiculous. Do you know what? It was like last season when he's like, he just starts knocking pucks out of the air willy nilly. Like, like this is the thing now. Like, oh yeah, he just he does that all the time. He just redirects pucks mid air. Not even redirects them. He just hits them out of the air like it's a baseball off the post. He'll tap it to himself and hit it out of the air. And we just. And this was the this was my main sort of thing about talking about Crosby was we just take him for granted, don't we? He's so good, we just take him for granted. Oh, definitely. I mean, d- d- just watching some of his highlights from last season, just insane. If it was a new guy doing it, if it was a new guy doing it, we'd be all over it. And I make the reference to football with Mo Salah last season, <clears throat> scoring with like fifty fifty two goals or something last season. And somebody pointed out that, like, over the last nine seasons, Cristiano Ronaldo has never scored less than 45 goals in, like, nine seasons in a row. But you just expect it. And some seasons he scored more than 50, and some he scored more than 60. (laughs) You're just like, yeah, well, that's just what Ronaldo does. It's boring. He had had a record at Real Madrid that was over a goal a game. Yeah. Which is Rich, if you don't just... know football, folks, let me tell you, that's ridiculous. That is a goal, at least one goal every single game you play in. It's it's as loopy as as that happening in hockey, really. Yeah, and we just take it for granted. We just take it for granted that Sidney Crosby is going to do this wacky shit, and it's not until somebody steps up and says, "Hey, I could be the new guy," like Connor, that Sid has to go. All right, fine, I'll bust out this ridiculous move and show you what I can still do. Come on then. Yeah, someone uh, yeah, someone yeah, comes yeah. with a belt and then he has to just make him tap out. Yeah, it's true. Which Damn you know, good. Sorry, Connor. Back to the AHL for you, son. 
<laughs> Get back down there with Matt Bolesky. Uh, You've got a few more things to learn about grit and grind, my son. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Oh, what should we talk about? What should we do next? Oh, I'll quickly mention this. This is a quick thing. On the back of the um, Kenya thing last week, talking about Crosby, the Kenya ice hockey thing, there are Kenyan jerseys now on sale. Are you aware of that? I I wasn't. Are they on sale at the um, NHL store? They are indeed, and all of the money, 100% of the money, is going to fund youth hockey in Kenya, which is really cool. 100%? Um, that's what it says, 100% of the money is going to fund youth hockey in Kenya. And also, there's a, if you want to donate, there is a GoFundMe. So, if you just search for the um, Kenya Ice Lions, there's also a, uh, you know, to sort of help them along there, which I think is a cool thing, a really cool thing. Oh, fucking but hell. Yeah, I thought I'd throw that in there. So, I've just seen a, a big old... Oh, look at this motherfucker. Hello, mate. What is it? It's like a beetle type thing. He's moving mad oh. slow and he's making me feel all... some kind of way. And he's right... Oh, hello. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. What's happening? He's flying. No way. Oh, shit. Where's he fucking gone? <laughs> oh, God almighty. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Breaking news here, folks. Breaking news. There's a fucking bug in the world. Where's he gone? Will Everett, killed by Beetle. Where's he fucking gone? Maybe he's trying to assert dominance. Maybe he didn't like your Crosby tape. He's already asserted dominance, mate. I haven't got a pair of socks <laughs> and I feel very vulnerable. Where are you, young man? Oh, God. He, he flew up as well. <laughs> right, hold on. Sorry, I've got, oh, a, this is I've got to account for his whereabouts before I can carry on. Or it's no, that's fine. So I, I, I don't know what he is. It's you can't take a photo because it never does it justice. You need you'd need something to scale. So you'd he's, have to like put you get a shoe and put it next to it. Or I something mean, he's not that scale. big, but he's big enough that I was like, oh well. Two seconds ago, apparently you had Godzilla in the room with you. Well, now I mean, it's just a beetle. In case you're not aware, Dan, I am a stick of a man. So um, and apparently prone to hyperbole as well. Well, it's, uh, what can I say? I didn't get this far in life without hyperbole. Oh dear. Ladies and gentlemen, as we prepare for Will's impending death from uh, from said from said flying beetle, how about we look at some top li- the top line in hockey? The best top line in hockey, Will. The the top is top line in hockey. The top is top line in hockey. Oh yeah. I think him. Sorry, he came for me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So he flew right at me. <laughs> this this fucking show. I'm sorry. I am sorry. I'm genuinely sorry. I was I was trying to snap. He came out of the woodwork. I was trying to snap a photo of him. The flash went off, and he came for me. <laughs> oh, here he is. Here, oh, Christ, this is going to be perfect. As long as he doesn't come for me again. Just catch it, Will. I'm not. I'm not catching it, mate. He's gonna. He's gonna eat me alive. Come on, there we go. Right. Right. Back to the schedule program. That's me shutting the window. I would apologise, but that was a traumatic experience for me. So stuff a lot, yeah. <laughs> right. Shall we? Uh, shall we start? Shall we start this top line conversation again? No, I think I want to go to bed now. <laughs> I want to go and cry into a pillow. Ah, oh, Jesus. He's a sketchy little bastard. Anyway, yeah, sorry about that. 
I wanted to uh, talk about top lines and the pre- maybe the pretenders to the. Um, I mean, would you agree that the Bruins is the uh, is the best top line in NHL? I don't, would any... I would I agree? No, because nobody is saying that they're the best top line in the NHL. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you suck at me in there, actually. It's well it, it is hard. Like I think. Yeah, I think I think based on their body of work, um, both individually and as as a trio, you have to set them as almost a gold standard for a line at the moment. You know, they're they're good on both sides of the puck. Each player has their own sort of scoring prowess. You know, if if one or two of the players on that line are, are not having their night, you know, the third one's going to be able to pull you through. Yeah, you know, each has the power to dominate a game on their own. So you chuck them all on the line, you're gonna have a good line. But I think there's there are quite a few trios out there this year that are that are running on all cylinders, as it were. Yeah. So just as a, just as a quick for a stats thing, forty four points in twenty seven games. Is that top line between the Bruins trio? Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? And how about the Colorado? They're similar. Yeah. Aren't they? So obviously, yeah, the Avalanche is you know like a team that's kind of had one of those starts that's. Again, very early, in the, very, very early on in the season, but they've had a great start. But 27, uh, 41, 41 points in 30 games. Which well, is, uh, between still, them. Still terrifying. It says, yeah. it says ultimately 10 games, but yeah. Um, and I mean... Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. 30 games, yeah, for the top yeah for the top three. Obviously 10 games each. Uh, yeah, yeah, Colorado haven't played 20 extra games than any other team in, <laughs> in the league. No, I should have made that a bit clearer. They've played a game every single night since opening night. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, I think... Miko, Miko Rantanen, big part of it. Rebound, another save made by Brian Ellen. Wide open net and they score! Miko Rantanen! It's a power play goal and the Avs have cashed in early. Really, really big part of it and he's he's turning into he's one of those players I, I distinctly remember from uh, what was it the 15 draft was it? Yes. I, I obviously don't distinctly remember but I do remember at least a little bit. Yeah 10th tenth, yeah, tenth overall in 2015. He was one of those sort of five or six to 15 players you know, in the rankings where you know He's going to be a good player. Is he going to be top 10? Is he going to be top 20? It's hard to say. And and to see him blossom into a fantastic young forward, absolutely incredible young forward, is um, it's interesting to see that side of the process, isn't it? You know, players that... Yeah, a guy, a guy who you, you sort of, you know, his projection chart is working out, has worked out perfectly. And absolutely. He's, and he's the sort of player that he wasn't going to be a sure thing, but... Yeah, you look at him. You looked at him rather as a prospect, and you say, if everything falls right, you could end up with, you know, a player with a very big body and very good hands for his size, who's going to be able to score at the NHL if if everything goes right. And for once, we've seen everything go right. He's turned into a fantastic little. I don't want to use the term power forward because he's so much more than just a power forward, but yeah. Big body with an incredible set of hands. He's got played twelve assists through ten games and four goals of his own. It's just incredible. It was um yeah, like one of those guys who comes into the league and he kind of he gets a bit of a taste for it. I think he played I wanna say some like nine games in his first season, something like that. Yeah. Um 
you know, doesn't put any, put any points or anything, but just gets a taste of the league like you would do with that kind of player. Get him in a few games, get him accustomed, and then he goes away. Averages more than a point per game in the AHL. Um, you know, plays in loads of juniors and all that kind of thing, and then comes back the next season. 38 points in 75 games in NHL. Okay, now he's starting to put up a few points and getting involved with the team more, playing nearly every game. And then, obviously, last season just, you know, completely breaks out. So, 29 goals, 55 assists, 84 points over 81 games. And just kind of, I don't want to say snuck up, snuck up on everybody, but kind of snuck up on everybody. And obviously now with um, what the Avalanche did last year, you know, the question was, can they push on? Um sort of making the playoffs, are they going to be one of those teams who, you know, one of those one-hit wonder teams that we saw? Um, or are they going to kind of, win? and we talked about it, are they going to develop, can they keep going, playing in a tough division as well? Uh, but I had a great start, and he's he's obviously one of the reasons for that start. And he, he seems to have had a bit of a knock-on effect on players like uh, like Gabe Landeskog. Yeah, Landeskog's no, um, you know, he's not, an old, he's not an old hat at this stage. But he's really had a bit of a resurgence to start this season, at the very least. You know, he's sitting on, you know, he's over a point per game. He's got to play eight goals in ten games. For for a player who went through a bit of a lull, as the franchise did, he's really, you know, sprung back to the player that everyone knows he can be, which is a fantastic top line definition of the power forward. Yeah, it was second. Yeah, second overall, wasn't he? In, um, oh, God, 2010? 11? No, to that. Maybe, no, I think before 11. that, 2009. Oh, God, I'm about to check now. Got to have a look. Got to have a look. It wasn't 2010 because that was a Tyler Sagan draft. And oh, I think yeah. he's older than Sagan. So I want to say he was after John Tavares. No, two, anyway. 2011. God. 11, no way. Second overall behind. Christ, <laughs> two brains working out here. Ryan, Ryan Eugene Hopkins. Yes. 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 What a guy? What a guy? Um. So yeah, you kind of um. I don't know that I know. Wish I had a, a thing about him. This you know, he's, you would yeah. There's a you know best player in the world this week was Gabe Landeskog. So it's I'm slightly annoyed that that kind of was the result because I wanted to talk about the abs and that kind of came up. But anyway, but yeah, like sort of Gabe Landeskog, like. I guess a bit like Nate McKinnon, kind of fell off the map a little bit when the Avs were struggling, and everyone was just like, "Oh." And then, as we've already discussed, Matt Duchesne leaves, and suddenly these players start to play and start to look a bit better. And they're now playing like you know, I guess we thought they were going to. Absolutely, it's it's another sort of affirmation that yeah, you you can't write these players off too too soon, sort of thing. Yeah, you know, for, no, for all intents and purposes, Gabe Landstog, he's, he's under 25. No, he's not under 25. What am I talking about? Yeah? I think he's twenty. I think he's 25. Either way, he's young enough to obviously be back getting towards you know, the top of his game again. And yeah, you're never too late for a little resurgence when you have that level of skill. Not at all. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, the skill's always there, isn't it? It's just you having that having that sort of the right coach to bring it out. Like we talked about with uh, fucking um, Pittsburgh, you know that things aren't going well. What are they going to do? They bring in Mike Sullivan. All of a sudden, oh look, Sidney Crosby and uh, Malkin and Kessel, and these are all actually really good players. 
Like, who knew? Funny that. Why didn't someone tell me before? <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, let's do a bit of goalie talk. Because the, there was a main thing this week, and then uh, also something else that made me kind of uh, made me chuckle. The goalies do not like some of these new pads. Uh, a lot of them admitting that they are now scared to uh, try and save shots in practice, which isn't good. The the confusing thing about these revelations from the goalies, uh, the, th- the thing that confuses me is specifically Sergei Bobrovsky saying that he is now scared of the puck, which yeah. to me, when you're going into the last year of your contract, potentially going to, over the summer, sign the biggest contract of your life as a professional goalie, to admit that you're now scared of the puck is probably not the right thing to do. No. And he's not playing well either, is he? He's, he's, a, he's not had a good start. No, he's had a bad start to the season. And now he's scared of the thing he's meant to catch or block. <laughs> so or just, or just do anything, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in theory, what he's saying is if the puck's coming towards him, he'll do his best to get out of the way of it. Which, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the goalie union's been talking to Sergei much, but you don't want him to be admitting these kinds of things. It's, yeah, it's probably not what you want to do, really. No. Uh, yeah, Brian Elliott's um, said, you know, sort of a lot of the players nowadays have the ridiculous shot. It used to be, you know, you know, Shea Weber, Rosadino, Chara, maybe a couple of others, but now it seems like everybody has that kind of a bomb. And you just... They just in the in the the, uh, the NHL and the NHLPA just keep taking equipment away from the goalies, and he doesn't think that's the right answer. Um, James Reimer said he's never flinched in his life. He he said he said uh, I consider myself a tough guy. I'm from the country, so maybe he should be uh, playing in Carolina because I think he owns a pickup truck probably. And he can and he says you can take a few bruises here and there, but at what point? At what point is one guy going to let one loose and a guy's going to break his arm? Um, that that's a hard roughly, thing. Yeah. We're we're already at the stage where people are admitting to using different gear in their practices compared to in games because they're afraid of getting yeah. hurt, and it's yeah. it is hard. It it is really hard because you know, you don't want to give because to an extent the goalie gear was getting out of control. Yeah, yeah, you know, how big it was and you know, how much of an advantage these keepers were getting from uh, from the size of their gear. But at the same time, it's it's very true. You don't want to end up with someone with a broken arm based off of taking a slap shot to the arm or whatever or anything similar to that. So let's just hope that if it is a real problem that the NHL are going to be quick enough to change and sort of revert the rule for, for now for the sake of player safety. And I, yeah, it was it was still like Lundqvist turning up basically dressed as a cupboard. Like, <laughs> just a square, perfectly square sh- Perfectly square shoulder pads that seem to fit the goal nicely. Um, yeah, and it was uh, there was with I was I was re- I read um, I had a quick a quick skim through of Thirty One Thoughts blog before we came on, and uh, Friedman said that some of the goalies had been texting each other saying you have to speak up, almost like equipment shaming them, saying if you don't speak up, it's not going to change. You have to say something. But then some goalies are kind of. Well, you get to pick your own equipment. If if things aren't right, that's on you. You know, like the the league is saying basically the the, the equipment has you can't just have one set of equipment for all goalies because obviously they're all different sizes. So they have to match it to the body shape and contours of the body and all that kind of thing. But 
if goalies are scared to get blasted in the you know in the arm or like you say at some point someone's actually just going to get hurt from blocking a shot which should not that's not the point that should not be happening um yeah goalies shouldn't be top- shouldn't be penalized for doing their jobs really yeah yeah exactly and more on top of that, I mean, they've done it because, as, as you know, we discussed in the off-season about the league trying to increase scoring in games and if it needs it or not and how can they do it. Um, and a, a stat I read this week, again, sorry, can't remember where I read it, but in the first 121 games last season, the average goals was 3.10. In Sorry, in the first 121 games this season, um, games were averaging 3.10 games per goal. Last season, in 124 games, it was 3.09. So, for the sake of those three games, the difference and the taking away of the equipment, the difference is actually 0.01 goals per game. Which, to me, is just, well, what's it matter then? Just giving back the other equipment. And and especially where, you know, everyone knows that the start of the season is going to produce more goals because, you know, the systems haven't quite set in yet. Everyone's a bit more lively than they will be from sort of November onwards it tends to lead to more scoring in the first half of the uh, first half of the year before the calendar flips so yeah, um, yeah like you say I, don't, I don't think it's made enough of a difference to warrant you know uh, present, uh, potentially um, exposing these goalies to real risk no I don't know why they just don't make the goals a bit bigger be like you know, say like half an inch or something like that. And I get it. Goalies are like, oh yeah, but I know my corners are and all that kind of thing. Yeah, but you'll just adjust. You you will just adjust. You know, I mean, Christ, look at the size of look at the size of football goals compared to football goalies. It's ridiculous. And they just you know that that's how big they are. They just know. And hockey goalers will do the same. They'll they'll just adjust. And it's not. You know, I don't think, they're not going to lose. You know, it's not like one goalie has a different goal to everyone else. They're not going to get punished in their contract or anything because you know the goals are suddenly a bit bigger. If 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 the goalie save percentage, not again, the good sort of average is around nine twenty five. Well, if the goals are bigger, then it might drop to a sort of around nine ten or something like that. And then with with that, it's I always think the sort of pushback to making the goals bigger. It's it's not just coming from the goalies. I think it is coming from you know, a league that time and time again has proven itself to be rooted in the past for um, you know unnecessary reasons. Really, I can't envisage you know them making the goals any bigger in the same way that I can't envisage them moving to international ice. I just think it's so yeah. set in the you know or like doubling the size of the stick blade or, or whatever it might be. I think it's so rooted in tradition, the size of the goal, that you know, as as much as you know, we're saying, oh, it's only three inches either side or whatever, that is a big change in the minds of these people who are you know, in the minds of these hockey men who are hanging on to their tradition for a for a goal that hasn't changed size in a hundred years. That's a That's harder a change to promote than than I think anyone's really given pause for. That's true. Maybe this was the NHL's plan all along. We're just going to hurt the goalies. And then we'll say, well, how about we make the goals bigger? And all the goalies are going to go, yeah, all right, fine. It's yeah, it's better than getting hurt. It's actually genius. It's a master stroke by, uh, by Batman and his cronies. That's what's happening. <laughs> um, 
And then, uh, then another, obviously segueing into another goalie. Did you see uh, Braden Holtby trying to give the, the little fan the puck and the guy snatching it out of midair? Oh, again. I saw something about her, but yeah, didn't this happen last year with Braden Holtby? <laughs> this happened a while ago. Yeah, it seems to be like a thing. And here's, okay, two things was that Braden Holtby chucks it, the guy grabs it, and the guy just has this massive grin on his face the whole time. And Holtby gives him a stare for maybe, I don't know, eight or nine seconds. It's a long stare. Just doesn't move. Gives him the death give him the death eyes. But the guy just keeps looking at Holtby like, yeah, I got it. That's okay, I got it. Like, just grinning. And his girlfriend says nothing to him. And he doesn't even hand it to the kid. And then, so Holtby obviously goes and gets another puck, gets it to the kid. Now, a lot of people are ragging on this guy for taking this puck. And I'm going to spin zone this. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't like what? where this is going. Do you know what? Kids have it easy these days. You want to get a puck? You have to earn it. Go and fight that man. <laughs> fight that man for that puck. When I was a kid at school, right? If we had loads of if we had loads of stickers, talked about stickers before. Look them up if you're not sure what they are. And you had a shiny badge sticker, right? You'd go to like if you found out some of the bigger boys because they had load like they had more money because they were you know obviously got pocket money and stuff. They'd have like a deck of stickers the size of I don't know the size of like a couch or something. <laughs> so you'd go over there and you'd be like, oh hey, uh, have you got like have you got Liverpool badge for an Arsenal badge? And they go, yeah sure, shows the Arsenal badge, and they just take it off you. And they go, oh, okay, can I have Liverpool badge now? And they'd say, what Liverpool badge? And I'd have, and I, you know what? I've learned my lesson. These kids have to learn lessons. Sorry, life is tough. You don't always get the puck. That's just the way it is. See, the, the, how about that? The problem with your analogy there, Dan, is you're comparing shitty little school kids to other shitty little school kids, whereas this is a fully grown adult stealing a puck off of a off of a child. No, I think I think he's doing good work there. I think kids these days have it too easy. You should see my daughter when I say like we can't do something. She just freaks out. I'm like, do you have any idea how much you like how much money you have spent on you all the time? You have no clue. All so, the time. So so in the space of forty five seconds you've gone from these kids should stick up for themselves more to when my daughter sticks up for herself, it's really annoying. No no, I'm not saying she shouldn't stick up for herself. What ha- should have happened was that kid who wanted the puck should have then asked for Holtby's stick and gone and battered the other man with the stick and then taken the puck. Toughen him up a bit. Walked off with the puck yeah. and the stick and a, and a big old grin exactly. on their face. And his girlfriend. <laughs> and his house. That's what a real man that's what a real man would have done. I've taken your puck, your stick, and your woman. How's about that? <laughs> and my name's on the mortgage, so suck on that. <laughs> yeah. It is funny though. I don't know what keeps happening to. I don't know what keeps happening to Holtby. He needs to just get into the stand one day and lamp somebody like there's, Milbury. There's something like, about he it. He just needs to stop taking the fucking pucks. I think that, it? that's what it's this game's. Odd. This game's really missing. Um, player on fan violence. I mean, what else is the will? You know. <laughs> I mean, at what point? Uh, we need. We need. We haven't had a good. We haven't had a good player fan brawl for ages. Do you, did you? Do you know about the? Um, Obviously, there was a Cantona thing in footy, wasn't there? There's yeah. always like those crazy South American pitch invasions where players just start fly kicking each other. Did you ever hear about the malice at the palace in basketball? Oh yeah, I was I was reading about this a while ago actually. 
Um, yeah, that was a, like a full-long riot between players and fans. Yeah, it went to, went to court and stuff, didn't it? Yeah, like players ended up just like literally diving into the stands, swinging punches at fans. Obviously, we had Milbury with the guy's shoe. is a classic. The guy who fell into the penalty box that time, I can't remember who the player was, but somebody, the player squirted the guy, didn't he, with his water bottle. So the guy tried to get up on top of the glass and hurl abuse, and he just kind of fell into the box. Then I went, oh, shit. Like, this is an NHL player in full gear. Here we go. He's going to murder this man. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Oh, I'm so excited. Somebody called the coroner. Yeah, this man's getting done. <laughs> yeah, we need more of it. I'm all for it. Teach these fans a lesson. That's what Hotby needs to do. Especially with his goalie stick. So like, It's not even, not even like, a, like a paddle. It's not even like a normal stick. Wait, are we teaching the kids a lesson or the fully grown fans a lesson? So, in, in in conclusion, as I wrap up my closing argument here, in the court of puck and fans and the hockey, the bigger person is right to steal the puck from the kid because it toughens the kid up. Now, instead of the kid just going to his dad, Daddy, I want a puck, the dad should then say to the kid, go and get it. Go and beat that man up and get that puck back. Now, if he doesn't beat the man up and he gets a whooping, well, that's just how it is. Sometimes in life, you've got to take a whooping. Sorry. Unlucky son, no, you haven't got the puck this time. Yep, maybe next time, mate. What? Maybe next time you'll learn how to fight differently and a bit dirtier to get the puck. Now, what the kid then... Or the kid asks for Holtby's stick. He gets Holtby's stick, he goes over, he kills the man or beats him up. No one's going to be annoyed at the kid because the kid's like taking on a guy twice his size and he's beating him. Suddenly the kid's a hero. Self-defense, really. Then there's the other side of it. The other side of the lesson is that if you can overcome all the odds, you can get that puck. So I think you know, it's teaching lessons on both sides of the coin. Well, that's how you got to look at it. I like it. That's a, that's a well-rounded education you're giving this kid. Thank you very much. <laughs> I am a parent. How terrifying is that? <laughs> <laughs> More than you can even know. You know. Oh dear. Uh, all right. Two quick things. Did you see? Um, the uh, Nashville Predators trying to rival the Carolina Hurricanes for NHL's funnest team with uh, Peter Laviolette in his bull's head. No. Please tell me you've seen this. I, I honestly haven't. Laviolette bull's head. What's the story on the uh, headgear? I'm uh, making good on a <laughs> making good on a deal with the players that I have. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, for context, and for Will, who apparently, for, for once when I say, in case you've not seen this, he actually hasn't seen it. So, Peter Laviolette made the deal. They had, um, they had two games in Western Canada. I cannot remember who the two games were against. But anyway, I'm sure one was Calgary and maybe Vancouver? Anyway, Peter Laviolette said to the players, um, I'll make you a deal. If you win these two games, I'll do the scrum afterwards and I'll wear a bull's head to do the scrum. So, out he goes and he has on the bull's head and when he talks the bull's head moves you can't t- you can't see who's under it so you can't you, I mean obviously you know it's him but if, if you didn't know it was him you would have no idea you can't see any like his eyes or his face or anything it's just a like just, said, yeah, just like a bull's head like this bull's is head. incredible <laughs> look at this isn't that amazing but when he talks when he talks the bull's head like the mouth actually moves with his voice no way which is the best it's just amazing I'm actually going to put the clip in 
And if you if you listen to the clip I'm going to put in, you can actually hear some guy just, I mean, his like laugh hysterically, just beyond like <laughs> like that just immediately because the mouth's moving. It's great. It's great. That is fantastic. It's more character in the game. Is what we'd like to see. Now, for real character, he needs to do it in the Stanley Cup final. That'll be the sum. That'll be something. He needs to. Do, he needs to just do the whole bench, like not even the scrum afterwards. Just like, just coach from the bench in the bullpen. I feel. I feel like communicating on a rink is hard enough, let alone without you know, <laughs> having a bull's head impairing your speech. It's so true. Um, and then last thing, uh, yeah, just a, I would say little sad news in the hockey world. Uh, Charles Wang, the majority owner of the Islanders from 01 to 16, passed away this week, RIP. Um, I didn't realise how much he'd done to sort of grow the game. Uh, well, I don't know if you know this or not, but he'd actually started um, the first sort of international programme to develop hockey in China. Really? And Yeah, yeah. And the Islanders were like sort of the first NHL team to host like an international youth hockey tournament. And it's it's always the way when somebody dies, like you don't really realise sort of how much they've done or like what they've accomplished until you look at it. I need, you know, by all intents and purposes, the guy sort of did an insane amount of charity work and set up loads of foundations. So, yeah, a uh, a good man all told, and sort of quite funnily said that if he had the chance again, he would not buy that team, <laughs> which <laughs> I thought was quite. And I was thinking, yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you, Charles, at all. I, I feel like that's the case for um, most NHL owners will end up at that point. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah, I wish I hadn't bloody bothered. I can imagine... Um... Oh, Christ, what's his fucking name in Carolina? Uh, oh, uh, Tom, uh, Tom, Dundon. Tom Dundon. Yeah, Tom Dundon, yeah. Oh, I can Tom imagine Dundon. Tom Dundon when he's back selling mortgages door-to-door in like 10 years. So he's... <laughs> I used to be an NHL owner, you know. Door-to-door. Yeah. Lost all... Lost all my fucking money. I'm back doing this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hated it. It was the worst thing I ever did. Kevin Dahan took every <laughs> single penny I own. <laughs> yeah. All right, quickly. Uh, man versus coin flip, Will. What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? Call it. You have still have the lead, but you've lost the game. You're now at 9-6. Oh, that'll do. That'll do. That's a that's a nice Which is fine, lead. Yeah, nice sign. Still, still a good little three point cushion there. Um, let's get to this week's games. Uh, Caps Oilers. Got to be the Caps, isn't it? No, no question. Caps. No question. Uh, Panthers Devils. Oh, this it's a hard one. That's a hard one. I'd I'd like the Panthers, but this is a team that. Um, Let's say stumbled out of the gate. Um, yeah. That might be a bit of an understatement there. They haven't gone gone quite off to the start that they want. I'm, I'm going to stick with the Panthers, though. I think they're, they're going to turn it around eventually. You know, there's 82 games to play for a reason. That's true, that's true yeah. Uh, wild Canucks. See, I didn't realise that the Canucks are top of the Pacific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is absolutely ludicrous. And the LA Kings are bottom, which is... Um, yeah, something else. Something else. Um, I'm got, I've got to go Canucks. You've got to go, go to the chalk sometimes, haven't you? That's true. Uh, Stars, Canadians. Oh, I, don't, I don't like that one. I don't like that at all. <laughs> uh, 
There's a there's a relatively long list of things that I do like, Dan, and uh, unfortunately, this has not made that list. That's not on that list. Is it in Montreal? Uh, yes. Ah, shit. I've lost every game on the road so far this year. Um, early days, granted. Yeah, that's right. But I've got to show a bit of faith. I'll go for the stars. I'll go for the stars. What a fucking helmet. And uh, golden, <laughs> and then uh, golden knights preds. Oh fucking hell, preds! Preds eight days a week. Preds eight days a week. Spe- speaking go. of being a fucking homer, could we just take a minute to uh, talk about how harrowing and uh, disturbing Colin David's Halloween costume was? Oh, I didn't see it. What was it? Oh my god, he dressed as Homer Simpson. And, um, oh, and no. his girlfriend yes, dressed as much. That is just like, nobody should ever, ever, like, the last thing in this world that we need is any more, like, realistic Homer Simpsons, because it is just disturbing. It is. It's absolute nightmare fuel. It's, it's haunting. Yeah, that picture's terrifying. It is really. It reminded me of, it reminded me of, like, John Wayne Gacy for some reason. Yeah. Like, when I first saw it, I just thought. Oh God! Oh God! Like Connor must have bodies under his house or something. It's horrendous. This just isn't good. Especially it's with terrible. the the photo that's like you know circling. Yeah, you know, all all due respect to uh, Mister McDavid, but his expression is relatively lifeless at the best of times. <laughs> and to add on thick layers of yellow face paint and a bald cap is um it's not a good look, Connor. It's not a good look. I feel like he's I gonna do it. He's gonna be in the the sequel for the reboot of it. I don't believe for one second either that these players put any thought into these costumes at all. Every team must have a Halloween guy or a Halloween girl just on retainer who just decides what they're going to go as and sorts them all out their stuff. Did you see the one? I'm sure it was the Ve- I'm sure it was the um, I'm sure it was one of the Vegas players like posted a picture of all of them and they're all done up like they're in some fucking Hollywood movie. And I was thinking, who's got time to do all this for a Halloween costume and a picture? Oh, you're you're blatantly hiring someone. If you're doing, oh, you know, yeah. if you want to do anything like that, you're going to hire someone to do it. But I, I wholeheartedly believe that a lot of players plan their own, um, their own costumes. Like I don't know if you saw, but Jason Spezza went as a bunch of fucking grapes. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me it was just like a great, like a, just literally a grape suit, and he just like two arms, two legs, head out. That's it done. Or did he actually like go whole hog? No, it was like he was in a bunch of grapes, basically. But did it look like it was something you could just throw on, or did it look like it had been spent hours, like the work on it would take uh, ages? I don't know, like a bit of both, really. Like it looked like it was fairly easy to get on, but to make it would have taken a while. I guess. Like that, like that Connor one. Like I'm, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm just a dude. But and, and I, so I have at the weekends, especially. I can find myself having a bit of free time. If my wife comes to me on a Saturday afternoon and says, hey, we're going to a fatuous party, can you just put Homer? And I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll just throw on some blue jeans and a shirt. She's like, no, no, you have to get a bald cap, right? Then you have to go to this shop in town and get all this face paint and all this. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> Doing all that for a fucking party? There's no chance. Yellow face. I can't imagine it. Right. Yeah. It's not on. Like, no. I just, I, I don't believe that's a thing at all. I'm sure they have people paying them stuff. I'm so, I like paying. I'm sure they pay people to do all this kind of thing for them, for them. Oh yeah, I don't believe that Conor McDavid sitting in front of his like, um, yeah, mirror his, his house. 
applying apply <laughs> yellow yeah. face paint to himself. No, absolutely <laughs> yeah. not. They're all sat in like I don't know. The Oilers have got in like the fucking art director from Guardians of the Galaxy or something. <laughs> like we got this guy. He's awesome. He's worked on all these films. He'll be he'll be amazing. Just for a picture, it's ridiculous. The things money does Christ. to you, Dan. The things money does to you. That's what it is. It's when you're getting paid all the monies. I like the idea that maybe Leon Dreisaitl went as like Bart or something. So like, <laughs> still, still getting ideas off Connor. No, you'd have to go as like Barney or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh Christ! Alrighty. As always, if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, you can get in touch with us at Dan Straight Edge. Will you are at W E V E V E R E T T. And is he at Two Brits One Puck Twitter account number two number one? Thanks for listening this week, folks. It's been a quiet week, really. But uh, yeah, let's hope for some more exciting things in the upcoming weeks. Will, any last words? Um, no, I've got nothing for you. you got nothing. Fair enough. Take it easy, folks. We'll talk to you later. Peace.